This show is brought to you by my friends at Alliance and Trust. In wild times like these, you need more than financial product salespeople. You need a firm that looks at the entirety of your life and helps you with strategies that coordinate all disciplines of good stewardship so you can manage wisely what God has given you and thrive in these times of chaos and confusion. Have a team that acts as consultants in the business of you. Let Alliance and Trust help you plan for what's next. To learn more and get your free copy of Alliance and Trust's book on financial stewardship, Wisdom Before Wealth, visit friendofbrice.com or call 805-371-8020. Welcome to the Bryce Eddy Show. So today, my guest is part of the battle against um, the encroaching of liberty on all of our freedoms and the attacks against our first responders. And his name is Mike McMahon, and he is the founder or one of the founders of Roll Call for Freedom and a former LAPD officer that got jacked because he wasn't going to comply. So we're going to hear from him and talk about his story. Uh, I am glad to be back here in the studio after a nice week vacation in uh, Idaho. Um, Refreshed. It was fun to be in America for a little while but back on the front lines here mike how are you sir i'm great thanks for having me and welcome back yeah yeah you thanks know. yeah you know it's uh it's fun i mean uh idaho is a great place you know we uh we own some some property there and uh have a lot of friends and family idaho's cool and i was telling somebody this the other day because unlike texas and tennessee and some of these other states where californians are fleeing to Idaho is not getting the blue knuckleheads that are like, you know, California kind of stinks now. There's all this crime and homelessness and all stuff. I wonder why it's happening. Okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, leave for Tennessee and I'm going to vote in that same stuff, you know, as soon as I get there. So you've got all these Californians that are um, coming to Idaho, but they're about freedom. They're about liberty. And so it's a it's a fun, you know, kind of different vibe. Yeah. You know, I know a story, uh, native Idahoans. We'll put California plates in check. They'll make sure that yeah. you are you are there to do their business, not your own. You you, know? you have to announce that you're a refugee for yeah, sure, exactly. And uh, and you're coming. You know, I, I mean, it's interesting. And I, I'm going to do a whole um, you know kind of news segment on immigration because of you know some of the things that are happening with regards to uh, not um, America really, but but France. But I'm going to talk yeah. about what's happening in Europe and, and, uh, and, and tie it all together. But one of the things that we forgot along the way and, and all Western nations forgot this somehow, but you know, immigration is, is not for the immigrant right now you want to, you know, bless the people that are coming and all that stuff. And it ultimately is for their good. But the reason that we have walls, borders, and immigration law is so that we are inviting in people who share our values. That's correct. Well, you know, I think Idaho, they've got that vibe going. They're like, you know, if you're from California, you better be here to help us. Right. <laughs> you know, don't right. don't be here to destroy us. Yeah. And I think that's how it has to be in order to preserve, again, the, the values that made a place special. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny. It always reminds me of, uh, you know, I'm. I enjoy Andrew Wilkow. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But he always yeah. had. He always has a saying that you know, in terms. I've of, been on his show, in fact. Yeah, yeah. He's just, a uh, just very connect. prolific yeah. thinker. Uh, but you know, he always has this saying that if you once you import there here, yeah, here will become there. Yep. 
And I couldn't agree more. I mean, you have a, you have a border for a reason, right? Yes. You want people here that will add, not subtract, to our our our, our you know make our nation greater. Yeah. And and I couldn't agree more with you know with Idahoans and Andrew Wilkow and and, and the whole immigration process and that. Yeah. So um, let you know, let's talk about your story yeah. because I think all this stuff kind of kind of ties into a lot of things. You know, obviously one of the big themes on the show is liberty, and you know that there was a, um, a you know under the guise of pandemic and all of that stuff. You know, we did these lockdowns and we yeah. did these mandates and everything that that stole liberty. Um, you know, from people, and that was the intention of these things, not. You know, none of these things were about, you know, none of those things were about those things. They were about a, you know, massive power grab. And I think more and more people are waking up to that absolute fact. But talk about what you experienced and, and what you went through, um, you know, during that time. And, and let's uh, let's bring us up to speed. Uh, well, I was a four, you know, I was uh, at the time of my termination from the LAPD. I was I had a little bit over 14 and a half years. Oh, wow. Um, so I came out of the department in early 2008 and, uh, you know, I've worked patrol most of my career. I was a case carrying investigator for juvenile crimes, uh, you know, like sexual and physical abuse on juveniles, uh, collision investigator, things of that nature. Um, you know, I worked through most of the upheavals with the, uh, you know, Trayvon Martin things and I worked South Central Watts, uh, up, up in the Valley up here, um, but in 2020, with with the uh, with the pandemic, um, I worked throughout the whole pandemic, and in fall of 21, um, you know, there was talk about the city of Los Angeles coming down with their uh, vaccine ordinance. Um, myself and several other police officers, one of their wives, uh, we decided that we wanted to do something with that. So in anticipation of uh, the L.A. City Council's uh, mandate, 187-134, we got together and we formed our coalition called Roll Call for Freedom. Now, Roll Call for Freedom initially is made up of LAPD officers just fighting for our individual freedoms, our medical sovereignty. Um, And the eventuality of that is uh, we were having a lot of people reach out to us saying, you know, hey, I work janitorial staff. I work... Uh, you know, some other department within the city of L.A. And so we ended up taking them on as well. Um, you know, very early on, I, 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 I stood out uh, and I was giving interviews and things of that nature. And I was encouraging people, you know, if you're afraid to speak out, but you want to join us, I'll be that voice for you. Mm-hmm. I'll take those slings and arrows. And that's essentially what I did. I became the voice and, you know, the, the face of Roll Call for Freedom um, and that's something that I, that I took, I took with honor, right? You know, people entrusted me to speak on their behalf and, uh, and I didn't take that lightly. Um, you know, Bryce, when I came on in 2008, and this is what I've said throughout my career, it's, I may, I, I took an oath, right? I took an oath to the United States constitution, to the constitution of California, uh, to fit, to defend our rights against foreign and domestic enemies, and during this pandemic, that is exactly what we were facing. We were facing a domestic enemy, right? I mean, eventually it was a worldwide enemy with the WEF and Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset and things of that nature. But our own government, our own government was coming in and uh, implementing these, unconst- these unconstitutional mandates on us, right? 
I mean, our whole constitution was based off of individual freedoms, right? Like John Locke's. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the framers of the constitution recognized that sovereign right of yours. That's what we have, you know, free will for. Um, and I believed in that. So, you know, circling back, this oath that I took to the constitution, it's not just words to me. You know, a man should never utter words that he's afraid to back up. And that's where I stood out and I said, you know, hey, follow me. Stand shoulder to shoulder with me. Because what I always recognized was that uh, the Reverend Graham had said, when a, when a brave man stands, it strengthens the spines of others. And I found that really prolific. And I wanted people to join up with, because everyone at that time was afraid, right? And I'm sure yeah. you've covered this in your show before, but everyone was so fearful to have a sane voice uh, throughout the darkness. Why not? Come stand shoulder to shoulder with me, and 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 I'll walk you through the darkness. Yeah, well, you know, both uh, fear and courage are contagious. Sure. Um, you know, fear spreads quicker, right? Uh, but but courage also, when you have you know just a couple of people standing up and you know taking those slings and arrows, you know, you get other people to go, oh, okay, that's how it goes, and yeah. all right, yeah, I was feeling bad about this, and you know, I need to so. You know, guys like you were just, you know, such a blessing during that time. Um, you know, obviously you're here at this church and, and uh, you know, we're, we're out of uh, studios at the, uh, Godspeak and, um, you know, pa- uh, Pastor Rob yeah. stood up and it caused a whole bunch of other churches and others to, to stand up. And, you know, some of those stories are amazing, but that's what we need in times like this. Yeah. Um, you know, and that goes counter to the narrative that they were spinning, which was all based on fear. But really, it was fear, uh, you know, uh, driving what they wanted, which was compliance. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and that's why I really respected, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Rob and even, you know, Che An, yeah. um, and, you know, another phenomenal pastor and in, uh, in, in Jack Hibbs down at his church. You know, you've got all these, I mean, for lack of a better term, these mega churches, right? These these great followings. And you've got these brave, pas- <clears throat> excuse me, these brave pastors that are speaking out i mean they're they're uplifting their voices but they're speaking out and people really paid attention yeah. at the time and now i think that was something that they really needed um what, what's your christian faith like or faith like i mean are you uh is that your background or underpinning well you know i grew up in boston so i i grew up a roman catholic right um you know in my mid-20s uh one of the jobs that i had um i was i worked for the suffolk county district attorney's office back then and at the time, the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office was handling a lot of the pedophile priest cases yeah. in, in the Archdiocese of Boston. I'll be quite honest with you. It really turned me off to organized religion, seeing seeing those cases, reading what happened, seeing the photographs. Um, quite frankly, it made me sick to my stomach. It really turned me off yeah. to the church um, because, I, I, you know, for me, it was at the time it was incomprehensible because – I grew up with a lot of great priests. Mm-hmm. I was an altar boy, you know, boy scout, all that other stuff that, that you did in the church back then. Um, to know that this was happening and it was so prolific in the archdiocese and it was being covered up, it turned me off right away to, to organize Yeah, religion. Boston was a crazy hotspot for, for yeah. that. And, yeah, that's a rough thing to, to go through, uh, you know, personally, um, yeah. you having to, to see all that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, the, uh, well, I asked about your Christian faith for a reason, because, you know, you're, you're right about one thing. The church is filled with people, yeah. and it can very easily get rotten from within. And most of the people that are turned off to um, the tenets of Christ and Christianity are because of Christians that did wrong or did them wrong or things that they witnessed like that. And unfortunately, you know, and we're witnessing it in everything in our culture right now, our government, our big corporations, all right. stuff, you you get these big entities and those entities are, are you know, corrupted. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, churches are specifically, I think, attacked uh, by the enemy and corrupted from within because they're, you know, such a great target. Mm -hmm. um, but... Um, the reason I asked that was not to put you on the spot about oh. your faith, but to um, to understand, you know, what motivated you aside from, okay, you know, you are a man of integrity, you have that, you know, maybe in your soul that, you know, you want to have that um, oath to the Constitution mean something. But I know a lot of people who stood up, you know, were people of faith of some kind or were um, drawn uh to the faith by what has been happening mm -hmm. and what they're going through and, you know, saying, okay, there's got to be something different here. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, churches by and large, and, you know, we're, we're seeing this, you know, firsthand. I mean, 50% of the churches that are out uh, there right now are, we're supporting uh, these things and right. are supporting some of the woke ideology and narratives that are destroying the country. Um, but yeah, bad people are going to be found everywhere for sure. Yeah, you know, it's it, it was interesting for me. It was a personal growth journey in over the last three years uh, because I had walked away from the church, right? But I had never abandoned my ideals or my belief um, in whether it was the Bible or, or Christ or, or that. I just, I lived it more so quietly, right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel a need to have to announce or to say, you know, I go to X church or this, you know, for a, what I used to, the answer I used to give a lot of people was, well, I celebrate my faith in God's world, mm -hmm. right? I, I go outside, I go hiking, I, I, I celebrate out there and I enjoy the abundance that, that, that he has given us. Right. Um, and, you know, I even, even when I had children, I, I used to say like, well, I see, I see God in my kid's eyes, you know right. I mean? Like being a father is, is, uh, you know, there was being a cop and then there was being a dad. And being a dad is the best job that I've ever had in my life. Amen. Hands down. Amen. Um, and I'm raising I'm raising young lions right now, right? That's cool. And 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 uh What do you have boys, girls? I got two boys. Two boys. I have, awesome. Uh, one just turned eight and the other's nine and a half. So I've oh, got right. I've got Irish twins, you know, they're eighteen months apart. Yeah, yeah. I, um I did a set of those. i I only have daughters though, but oh. uh yeah, that's all I make. But, um, but <laughs> I'm batting exciting. a thousand, so you know. Yeah, but it's good. uh, it's it's been the greatest gift of my life is having these two boys that 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 look up to me, that call Amen. me dad. You know, you only get about ten or twelve years as the number one person in their lives, so you've got to make that time count. Um, and I'm very uh, I'm very determined to make the time that I have with them count. And b the last three years being terminated, I you know I haven't worked in twenty months. It's wow. been about 20 months since I've been out of work. Um, but those 20 months, one of the shining things that I've taken out of it is the fact that I've got to spend those 20 months with my boys. Yeah. What other dad can say that, really? You know? So um, 
with regard to your story. So how uh, how did it how did the process of them terminating you? I mean, so you, you look, you were um, you know you were a frontline warrior. Yeah, uh, you stood up, you defied them. You know, they can't have that. They made an example of you is what it sounds like. That's um, exactly what happened. Yeah, so so tell tell me how that went down and, and how many of you, because um, I'm not sure I know the numbers, you know, within LAPD were ultimately terminated. So, you know, I started giving interviews um, with local independent reporters, you know, amazing guys like uh, Informed with Anthony, Anthony Cabasa. Yeah. Um, He's great. He's amazing. Uh, and, and, a, and a man of real deep faith as well, you mm-hmm. know, and it's been a great uh, honor of my lifetime to be friends with him. Um, but so I started giving interviews and I, you know, I think I had gone on, on OAN um, and, and fast forward, you know, I get approached by my captain and, and his adjutant and they said, ah, you know, Hey, Antifa just doxed you. Uh, we're aware of what you're doing. Um, why don't you step into my office and let's talk. You know, I go in there and I and, and we talk and he says, you know, I see what you're doing and you're throwing away a potential million dollar career. OK, but, you know, a man has to stand for something. Yeah. Right. So fast forward a few months, uh, very beginning of November, I was one of the first LAPD officers to be called into the captain's office after the implementation of the of the mandate. And they handed me a piece of paper that said you have 48 hours to comply um, and what they wanted to do was deduct $600 a month from my paycheck to pay for PCR testing. Because at that time, I was very adamant that I would not mask, I would not submit a religious exem- uh, exemption, and I would not test. Do not trust these woke banks. Do not Put your money into ESG funds. Instead, why don't you talk to the Alliance and Trust family? Finance is in their blood. I grew up with them, and they've handled my entire financial world for nearly 30 years. And as a testament to their talents, they've managed to keep me not just out of trouble, which in and of itself is remarkable, but they've helped me to build real wealth. They've assisted me through complex business transactions and family matters. Now even my daughters are working with Uncle Randy to put financial disciplines in place for their futures. Invest with people who share our values and will help you to be a good steward with what God has given you. Let Alliance and Trust help you plan for what's next. To learn more and get your free copy of Alliance and Trust's book on financial stewardship, Wisdom Before Wealth, visit friendofbrice.com or call 805-371-8020. Now, the reason why I wouldn't submit an exemption is because it's none of their business, right. what I hold dear to my heart. And so I felt that it was very intrusive and it was, uh, you know, even a violation of Title VII, uh, I shouldn't have to explain that. To them and they have no right to know right and so i held very firm onto that that it's not your business if i say i'm religious then that should be it i shouldn't have to fill out an eight-page document attesting to it and have a priest or a rabbi or a you know imaman uh sign it so they brought me in and said you have 48 hours to comply with this notice to allow us to deduct 600 dollars a month and i very boldly i wrote i will not acquiesce to these mandates um and after refusing to sign it I was forced to turn my gun and my badge and my police ID, and I had my police power suspended two days later, 48 hours later, because to take 
that kind of money, number one, it's a violation of the California Labor Code under 2802. But number two, I knew that in July of 21, the PCR test lost its EUA status, mm-hmm. right? It was an unreliable testing mechanism. So why would I allow them to do that to yeah, me? Yeah, the inventor of the test said it was. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, Carrie Mullis hated Anthony Fauci. And he was saying that they were spinning it too many times. And if you spin it too many times, you can find anything. Right. So fast forward, I get uh, I get relieved of duty uh, officially on November 5th of 2021. Um, and then they ended up, we had organized a, uh, a giant rally in downtown Los Angeles on November 8th. Uh, myself, Firefighters for Freedom, Will Witt, a bunch of other people came down. About 10,000 people showed up that day. Um, to rally against. The very next day, they served me with the investigation, the completed internal affairs investigation, uh, told me I had 30 days if I wanted to, you know, answer back the the allegations. But I I wasn't afforded 30 days. The very next day, the chief of police recommended me to uh, go to a board of rights. It's basically a a, a tribunal in front of three attorneys that work for the department. Uh, But the, the chief of police sent me to a board of rights very next day, I wasn't even afforded the 30 days to review the the case package, and uh, consequently, 30 days after that, I started uh, I started my seven month long defense of my career as to why I didn't want to, or why I felt I shouldn't have to um, pay for the $600 a month, and why I shouldn't have to get an experimental EUA shot into my body. So they put me on trial for seven months, and uh, I was officially uh, terminated on, well, I was terminated on July 1st of 22. And, um, I officially was on July 22nd of 22. So it's coming up on my official one year anniversary. Wow. Uh, now, um, so you've been without income though, this entire time, Yeah. you know, what are you doing to make ends meet now? And well, you know, um, by God's grace, I I'm finding money here and there. You know, I mean, ultimately, I, I, I have to sacrifice and whether it's selling off the stocks that I had or uh, right. my my deferred compensation that I had with the city. Um, I seem to be making ends meet, but that's coming to an end relatively soon. Um, but I don't know. I just seem to find a way, you know. Uh, hey, praise God. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, talk about what LAPD is doing now. And, you know, how many guys did take your stance that they made an example of? Um, you know, I know a bunch of guys that, you know, kind of got through, you know, going the medical exemption yeah. route and getting those things approved and all stuff. And and I and I respect your stand, and I am not judging them either for, um, you know, compromising in some of the ways that they did in order to keep their jobs. But, I mean, you, you were certainly pure and courageous because you were right. You know, they should not be doing that. They should not be requiring those things. They should not be docking you pay to pay for a useless test that means nothing that is total bogus. Um, you know, all of that stuff is, is, you know, wickedness, and it's to cover their butts, and it's, to, and it's you know, the LAPD is, you know, uh, complying with city regs, and, you know, they're playing their own political dance, and, you know, it's all... It's all wickedness from, you know, the tyrannical top. Sure. Um, 
So I, I have I have compassion for you know people you know within the um, you know command structure of the LAPD and you know trying to navigate these things. I've got compassion for a lot of folks. I have no compassion for the tyrants and the evil people that are pushing this stuff. But yeah, so so how many more? Um, and then you know bring me up to speed of what it's like now. Yeah, it's uh, you know it was really hard in the very beginning, Bryce, uh, because when I first went out, I was like, oh. I'll have three, four, five hundred people standing next to me. But as it turns out, it wasn't. You know, all yeah. in all, um, over the course of everything, uh, myself and seven others were the only ones that got fired. So a total of eight officers uh, with, I think it was a total of 160 years of service, we were terminated. Um, they made they made examples of us. You know, and to backtrack during, and it came out during my my own trial that I, I had a whistleblower appear and testify um, that he was privy to a conversation, whereas uh, the command staff had said that they were going to make an example out of me and that I was 100% going to be fired. So they used my termination to sort of scare everybody else from speaking out against it, I think. Um, well, especially my, me and the seven others who, who got fired. Um, and... And I don't have any ill will towards the people who held out, you know, because they were victorious. Um, you know, I just chose a different path to go down. And so where we are right now is uh, L Roll Call for Freedom. We filed a federal lawsuit um, in, what was it, March of 21, I think it was. Uh, that ended up getting dismissed out of federal court rather quickly. Um, you know, these judges, they're so afraid to make decisions in these cases that they're just pushing them out of court. Uh, so, you know, thankfully there was still the LA firefighters lawsuit that just was allowed to go back into court uh, after being dismissed. So they brought theirs to the, uh, the California court of appeals. The appeals court just issued an 82 page ruling allowing their court case to go back to the LA superior court. So that's, that's looking good. Um, but, Right now, roll call for freedom. I've just been I've been out there uh, doing the rounds on on uh, you know news talk shows. Uh, I appeared almost almost weekly in front of the LA City Council demanding answers. You know, I, I actually um, just had a, a video go viral uh, not too long ago, uh, just kind of going scorched earth on the LA City Council because I mean it is one of the most corrupt city councils in all of America. Mm -hmm. um, we've had several council members be indicted and convicted federally for accepting bribery, you know, bribes, forgery, just illicit things. And yet we still have this unconstitutional mandate within the city of Los Angeles. And my big question is why, you know, I mean, why do we still have it? Are you, what are they getting out of it? And, you know, because especially now you're seeing rising crime rates within the city. Mm -hmm. uh, the LAPD was, at one point, 10,000 officers before the George Floyd, uh, they're down approximately about 8,900 officers right now for a city of four and a half million documented residents, right? 8,900 off, or I'm sorry, yeah, 8,900 officers, uh, and they're slated to lose over 600 to retirement this year, and probably another four or 500 just to officers going elsewhere. They can't hire to attrition. The class sizes are about 22 to 25 recruits. So what's going to happen to the LAPD? 
Yeah, I heard, and this was anecdotal, and I have not been able to verify this, but someone told me um, that uh, they had a guy applying that was going through the process that nearly made it through or made it to the academy um, uh, that had F the police tattooed on his neck. Yeah. Um, And so they're... Uh, I have other friends and, you know, this I know for a fact that they have accepted people, um, you know, within uh, and talking, you know, age, age exemptions, um, you know, so older folks, uh, you know, than they would have accepted in the past people with um, questionable backgrounds that they would not have accepted in the past. So um, they're in a really desperate situation. And that's true of a lot of big urban police departments, especially right now, because nobody wants to work in them and all the talent is running away. Yeah. Um, And, you know, again, and I want to, you know, make sure that I'm fair um, to this. There are a lot of great officers on the job. There's a lot of amazing people that are joining up. I, you know, know several that are joining even in the face of all of the headwinds that are against police right now that are, are going to be very competent police, very effective police. But, um, you know, they're, they're also, you know, doubling down on, you know, more and more women in the police department, mm-hmm. which, uh, I'm not, uh, against women in the police department who meet all the requirements, but they've had to, you know, obviously adjust requirement requirements for that. And, you know, women have a much shorter career, um, you know, within, uh, the first responder world because of, you know, just their physical makeup, right. um, you know, their, their body, uh, doesn't take, uh, the beating that, um, you know, man's body does. And it is a, it's a tough job. And, you know, they're also, they've, they went away, um, over the last several decades, they went away from hiring warrior mentality folks, which is exactly. uh, which is a real problem. Um, they think it's the a great thing. Oh, you know, it, it'll it'll make much nicer officers. It makes for less effective officers because what you need to do is you need to hire people from the warrior class mm-hmm. and then teach them um, the the skills uh, of de escalation and the you know the all of the mature skills that one needs. You take you take a missile. And then you, uh, you know, put a governor on it. You, exactly. You don't, uh, you don't hire people without any of those skills or those abilities. Um, and that's why we're having some of the incidences of shootings and things like that, too, because there's a big reluctance for people to go hands on mm-hmm. because many of them lack that skill and experience. You need yep. you need fighters. You know, you, you need couldn't be more that right. That. You couldn't be more right. You know, we used to the adage around my division used to be, I want you to be a pit bull. And I'll be that chain. Yeah. Right. That's how that's how you used to operate because we operate in pairs. Yeah. Right. Be a pit bull, and then learn how to control that. And uh, and you want that warrior mentality because that's what was ingrained in me. You know, it's not uh, the warrior mentality is not something that you can teach. No. You have it or you don't. Right. And what we're seeing in police departments across the nation is what you just talked about. We're seeing this lowering of standards, this lowering of hiring standards. You know, ninety eight percent of these these children that are entering the police academy now have never been in a fist fight. They have no idea what it's what it feels like to get punched in the face. And when the S hits the fan, how are they going to react? You know, most of them have never had to pay a cell phone bill by themselves, a car yeah. payment. You know, we are tasked to intercede in what is most likely somebody's worst day. Yeah. We see people at their worst and they look to us to solve their problems or at least guide them. 
Most of these people can't. They have no idea how to talk to people, no idea how to rationalize, how to empathize, especially they don't know how to empathize with people because they've never had to do this stuff themselves. Yeah, but, you know, there's an advantage for the tyrant in that. And that's what's unfortunate because yep. those folks will be the ones that comply yes. with some of the worst orders that are ever given that would be to someone of the warrior class or someone who has been through the thick of it or, you know, has responsibility and maturity and all that, right. um, you know, that they're not going to want to follow certain orders that are violations of their, you know, constitutional um you know, a sworn oath and things like that. So we're we're setting up for um, a real problem. The left and the left does this a lot. Um, if you uh, you know decide to get brain damage and go on Twitter and you pay attention to what they're saying, you know, if you criticize the police, they're like, "Oh, I thought you were back the blue." Right. You know, um, the truth is, is what the what conservative thought and conservative philosophy is that we need to have law and order. Sure. Right. Which yeah. means we need to have people who uh, are the, those ministers of justice mm -hmm. in society. And we need to back them as they are going about creating law and order where we don't back the blue is when they are um, the tool of a tyrannical regime right. seeking to oppress people. That is not law and order. That is not a, um, a you know, healthy law enforcement situation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and thank you for bringing that up because that is that's one of the most important things right now. You know, with this with this reform-minded policing that they're looking into, you know, it started with Minnesota. Um, you know, but we saw it more recently with um, you know, the the Memphis 5 with the death of uh Tyree Nichols, mm -hmm. right? We lower the standards of policing so much so that we get basically this mob mentality. Yeah, then, those guys were street thugs. Absolutely. Um, those guys were street thugs in uniform. Absolutely. And, they had no uh, business being there. They, they should not have been police officers, and you saw what they what they did, mm -hmm. uh, which was, you know, really egregious and, the, and horrific. And, Under the color of yeah. authority, they murdered that man. Yep. And that was because they wanted to get the people who would normally not be able to get into those jobs – they wanted them in there. Yeah. And this is what we're going to see with the city of Los Angeles, too. You know, uh, Karen Bass, uh, in order for for Chief Mike Moore to get his new contract, he had to agree to uh, these two dozen metrics that Mayor Karen Bass wanted to implement on the city, whereas you are lowering hiring standards. You are looking past prior arrests, gang affiliations, gang tattoos, domestic violence incidents, things of that nature, uh, in order to get someone who would normally would not be able to get them on the department. Yeah. And so as if, if I were a citizen of the city of Los Angeles, I would be deeply concerned with what kind of police department uh, your mayor is now encouraging. Because, uh, you know, there was just a story on, on uh, Fox 11 just a few weeks ago where and, and Gina Silva had reported you know, there's a lot of whistleblowers within the LAPD recruitment and background investigations that are saying, yeah, we're being told this is this is how it's supposed to work now. And uh, and the new um, the new standards were just signed off literally last week. I think it's the first time in nine years that they had some sort of change to the hiring standards. And it just got uh, it just got signed off on last week. 
Summer is here, and Good Ranchers wants to give you what you've been craving, a nice summer steak on the grill. Can you hear the sizzle already? I'm not sure what your favorite steak is, but mine is literally every steak I get from Good Ranchers. Every cut that they source from local American farms is hand-cut, trimmed, and aged to perfection. Good Ranchers is proud to be a trusted source for high-quality, all-American meat, and they are the way to get the most out of your summer grilling season. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com and pick up your box. They have ribeyes, New York strips, all-natural burgers, and all the delicious chicken you could ever want. Plus, it's $30 off with my code BRYCE. With 85% grass-fed beef imported from overseas, Good Ranchers wants you to put American meat on the grill you can feel good about and trust. Whether you're planning a backyard barbecue, a family picnic, or a beachside cookout, they've got you covered with honest, transparent products that deliver on quality, price, and flavor. This is the perfect time of year to easily change the way you buy meat. So head to GoodRanchers.com and use my code BRYCE for $30 off any box. Forget about the summer bod for a minute and focus on summer meats. With Good Ranchers, you can feel good about the 100% American, locally sourced meat you're putting on your grill and on your plate. Make this summer one to remember by starting it with American meat delivered to your door from GoodRanchers.com. Use my code BRYCE for $30 off at GoodRanchers.com today. Um, is that published, you know, in terms of what those hiring standards are, or that's just behind the scenes? Uh, it's behind the scenes. The LAPD yeah. and the city itself is, is one of the least transparent agencies out there. You know, they lead the way in how policing is done, which I applaud, you know, for good or for bad. Yeah, I mean, it, look, but, uh, LAPD was the gold standard. Absolutely. Um, and that's, uh, it's sad that um, they're no longer going to be but people will still emulate them sure. as if they were across the country. And so the just like, you know, the way California goes, so does the nation, the way LAPD goes, so does a lot of departments around the country. And that was the that was the big thing from when, when Roll Call for Freedom was started. One of the big things that I had was that LAPD leads the nation in policing, right? We're the, I, I refer to us as the tip of the spear of American policing. Mm-hmm. And why I wanted to stand up was because if we – if we, you know, if we broke, if we bent, if we just gave up to these, uh, you know, illogical mandates, then that would allow every corrupt city council, every city manager, every mayor to point their finger out west and say, the LAPD is doing it, so we're going to do it now. That was really important to me, to save, the, to save or to try to save American policing by standing up in L.A. I, want, I wanted it to have the effect of, you know, like, like, a, like throwing a rock into a pond. You know, I wanted to yeah. ripple across America and say, well, LAPD is fighting back, so we're going to fight back. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really important for us. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, well, I, I, have, uh, I have compassion on a guy like uh, Chief Moore um, because, you know, you get Karen Bass. I mean, how, yeah. how Karen Bass, well, we know how. I mean, there's shenanigans that go on in elections. Sure. Um, now, uh, unfortunately, we can't trust the election system. Uh, contrary to what the uh, left would like us to believe, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that are happening that are wrong. But also people are just the voter is stupid. Um, and, and literally Karen Bass is an avowed communist. Absolutely. I mean, she's she's it's not she's not hiding. Nope. You know, the, the communists now aren't pretending to be otherwise, which we're in a really unique time. There's three. There's three socialists on the city council as we speak. Yeah. Right. You know. I ran for the California State Assembly in 22. 
uh, for Assembly 41. And, you know, I found that out really quickly. You know, I mean, there's nothing worse than an uneducated voter, right? And right now they're of the mindset. It's just like, well, it'll work itself out. Or why should I vote? Yeah. Right? Yeah. How dare you ever advocate your right to vote in this country? I mean, this, that, that, that's what this country was founded on. Yeah. Now, right? ho- hold up. Okay. Hold up on that because I don't want stupid people to vote. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, if, if, I would rather <laughs> discourage those folks from voting. Right. So I, I don't go so hard on, on that. Um, where I do go hard, though, is um, people of faith. Mm-hmm. And people who are giving up right now because they look at it and say, "Oh, well, they're gonna they're gonna cheat or do right. shenanigans or fortify," which is what they use the term for, um, uh, you know, bad act, bad acting. Um, you know, they they use that euphemism. Oh, we fortified the election, um, right? But Christians and just the non-woke Christians, just the people that are, um, you know, that that do have real faith and do have real values. If just all of us showed up at the polls, they couldn't cheat enough yeah. to win. They they couldn't fortify enough to win. And so those are the folks that I want to uh, I want to vote. I want people voting who have a stake in the system. A lot of the people that are voting for a Karen Bass are because Karen Bass promises them things. It's, it's right. really uh, that they think that they're going to get, you know, free this and free that. Um, when, you know, Rick Caruso, you know, would have been, um, you know, an infinitely better uh, for the, the city. And he was, you know, pro police in a really good way. I yep. mean, he was former uh, police commissioner, um, you know, just a, a good, you know, good uh, developer, you know, understands business, understands how to make things thrive, you know, works very hard to keep his properties safe, you know, bolsters it up with all kinds of security and, you know, all of that. And, uh, you know, didn't uh, didn't stand a chance in the face of the, you know, push towards communism. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it's the terrible, the scary thing is the power the unions have in making Karen, people like Karen Bass happen. Yeah. You know, you go to these rallies, you go to these events, and you see, all you see is a sea of purple shirts, right? The SEIU or the teachers union coming out in full force. You know, once you have the unions in your back pocket, I mean, congratulations. Yeah, well, and they're supported. I mean, the union dues are coming from a lot of yeah. hardworking conservative Americans, yeah. which is sad. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many people that have not opted out of those unions because of the social pressure, sure. because they feel that they don't have an option or they don't have a choice. And so they're paying in to their paycheck to make these folks powerful and wealthy because these union bosses get paid a lot. And, uh, and then, you know, they end up using all of their money to get people like Karen Bass yeah. um, into office. But what I was going to say in regards to Chief Moore is, you know, the the difference between sheriff and police is a sheriff being elected. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, uh, it's a constitutional role, and the sheriff has the latitude to actually do what needs to be done. Right. And the uh, police uh, serve at the pleasure of the city council and the mayor. And so, um, you know, Moore can't stand up. You know, he has to play such a political game. And, and again, you know, I, I feel, you know, I don't think he's making a lot of great decisions, but so many of them are because he loses his job otherwise, which is a terrible place for all of us to be in. Yeah, one of the worst things that ever happened to the LAPD was losing our ability to elect our own police chief. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, that's all that, that is just a, that was it for us. Yeah. You know? Well, your last great chief was chief Daryl Gates. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but even, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, chief Moore has been making some, some bad decisions lately by not supporting his officers, uh, you know, even going so far as to remove the blue, uh, the blue line flag from, from, uh, stations, you know, citing that one person complained about it, one person. Uh, but now you can't fly it in the stations, you know, come on. Yeah. Wow. That's despicable. I, I hadn't heard that one. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, there was a police officer killed in the Olympic division, um, Arroyos, and I, I don't have, I, I, it was right around the one year anniversary of his death. And there was a, um, there was a memorial within the station lobby. And I, I'm almost positive it was that station that somebody walked in and made a complaint about seeing the blue line flag. And then just the next day, it's okay. They're all done. We took the complaint. We're taking down all the blue line flags because, you know, in essence, he said it, it, it you know, it's, um, you know, it, it gives off that air of, of, racism and things of that nature and you know proud boys and all this other stuff it's just come on you know well that the left did that right so the left you know equates now everything um the latest is physical fitness being a white supremacist um, thing um you You know know. that was that was written last year that's an article that came out last year yeah but it's resurfaced yesterday yeah, it just came back. It just yeah. kind of bubbled, bubbled back up. But, but yeah, that idea, um, you know, yeah, but that came out more than a year ago. But they're equating, you know, folks that are fit and are pursuing fitness and having home gyms uh, with uh, with white supremacy. I mean, that's a um, uh, unbelievable. I mean, I think it's because you know all these folks that we're you know facing on the left and in Antifa are, um, you know, uh, meth. The addicts, uh, very unhappy, living in their parents' basement, or they're you know fat, ugly women with blue hair, mm-hmm. and so they're going to naturally you know dislike people who are um, good looking and who who are in shape because it's the antithesis of of them, and it's right. built on envy. Most of the left's positions, really at the core, if you just analyze them, go towards envy. That's that's really um, what uh, they're the spirit that they are. Um, you know, animated by. Right. Uh, and for the lack, you know, I, I can't say this, but it, it's a lack of a male presence in the household. Uh, you can say that. You know? You can say that because that is true. I mean, that, you know, um, that, that bears out in the data. You know, we see that in uh, cultures that are suffering. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, you know, broken family system, uh, which usually means that there is not a man in the house. It's mm-hmm. fatherless homes. You know, that's driving a lot of this. Um uh, homelessness and uh, um, again, homelessness is just a euphemism for you know mental uh, health issues right. and drug addiction and all that stuff. But but a lot of that's because of the breakdown of the family and right. the family units and everything. So no, it's um, it, it, it the communists' their whole thing is to break down the family um, again to destroy everything that we have in order to right. build it up in their own image. Right, like uh, like Mao's color revolution. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely, you're taking the kids away from their families, teaching them the kids that the families don't matter. And so what are they, where do they turn to? They turn to the state. You know, the state has become their God. Yep. Um, you know, and it's just, it just blows my mind, it blows my mind about what's happening to our country these days. 
Yeah, we're in trouble. Um, speaking of the country, um, you know, are you tracking what's happening with other big departments around the country? You know, are are many of them still pressing into you know vaccine rules? Um, I, you know, LAPD. It seems like they've maybe softened uh, on the surface, um, you know, or made it easier for you to get the exemptions and all that. Um, am I right in that? And you know, what's happening around the country? Yeah, you know, I, I've, I. Like I said, I've, I've given my, my, my 60 seconds in front of the L.A. City Council. That's all they allow you. Um, but L.A., San Francisco, and Oakland are pretty much the three big cities left in California that have a vaccine mandate for employees. You know, you've got New York City who won their case against Eric Adams and the, and the vaccine mandate, but they're still fighting that in court. You know, they haven't returned uh, officers back to the field that were affected by it or, or even firefighters. Um, but, yeah, the city itself has sort of – everybody has seemed to gone – they've gone back to sleep, so to speak. You know, the city – they were holding the, the, the exemptions over the employee's head for the last year and a half, you know, kind of a sticking carrot thing. Um, and then they just sort of unilaterally accepted everyone's – um, exemption all at once, but now that it's still a requirement um, that if you're a new employee coming on the job, you either have to be vaccinated or submit a religious exempt, exemption. So that's still there, you know. And but for us, even for us at Roll Call for Freedom, the argument being made with us is that this ex- this mandate was written for the first series of, of, of shots, right? You can't get those any longer. You know, the monovalent shots aren't available any longer. So if those aren't available, you either have to rewrite that, that ordinance or get rid of it because it's, it can't be legally binding. I mean, you, you cannot get the monovalent shots any longer. So why do you still have it? Again, it comes down to money. What are you getting out of this? But nobody's been able to tell me anything. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, well, we're held hostage to pharma and all yeah. that at uh, at you know many levels. Uh, you know, cor- corporate to government. You know, it's it's a, a wild time that we're in with regards to that. So what's uh, so what's next for you? How do we follow you? How do we support you? Uh, well, you can find me on uh, primarily on Instagram. Uh, roll call, the number four freedom. Um, and then we also have a, a, a website, rollcallforfreedom.com. Uh, and then my own personal um, is uh, Mike McMahon underscore 41. And that's my, uh, my Instagram handle. Right. Great. That's where I spend a lot of my time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, God bless you, man. I appreciate Thanks. you you coming in. And, um, you know, this is good for the audience to hear. Uh, we cannot let the... Um, covid stuff go away from holding people accountable right you know we have to keep this um as a part of the discussion because they're going to attempt to do it again what form that will take we're not sure but they are going to attempt to you know lock us down that's what the 15 minute city stuff is about that's what absolutely you know all of these things are about is is controlling us controlling our behavior uh and stealing liberty from the people it is no longer we the people that are running all of this stuff and and it's a shame uh but we need to fight we need to get into communities we need to become self-reliant and oppose them everywhere we can you know so and you know what and if i guess add we need more dads to step up amen we need more men of with with 
honor and dignity and we need dads to we have to be comfortable in being uncomfortable yeah. in going forward and that goes for dads because moms have done the heavy lifting for the last three years yeah hands down well right uh, um, and i don't i don't want to disappoint my antifa followers but uh the transgender thing right now is is driven by yeah. women that are taking these kids down this path um That's very true. few men yeah um, but the fathers are absent in this stuff or they're completely neutered or they're abdicating their responsibility right. yeah but so much of that social contagion is animated by the you know liberal wine moms that want that accessory right and, de- and, and you know most conservatives will say well dads are the ones with jobs but you know what you can take a lunch hour and go talk at your kid's school you yeah can, you know i think we need an influx of more men into our society because in order because they're coming after women and children right yep. and how do you get past women and children you pacify men right um and when, that's what they're doing to us when pedophiles are interviewed at prison and things like Absolutely. that they uh talking to them they um avoid uh, victims with strong fathers, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and it's self-preservation. It's also they know that those kids can become victims a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and that's what we have going on in culture. You know, the dads have stepped aside and, you know, things are falling apart as a result. Right. Yeah. We're too hyper. They're too hyper focused on career. Right. You never get this time back. And it's like what I was saying earlier. You know, you only get 10 or 12 years to be your, your kid's best friend. Yeah. Right. Stop focusing so much on on the material and start focusing on the spiritual, you know, making that connection with your children because it'll pay off later later in life as well. So Yeah, amen. Amen. Well thanks, Mike. Appreciate you coming in and it's been an honor. Know, we'll uh, we'll follow you and um you know pray for you. I know the audience will and Please. um yeah. You know, we'll uh, we'll get you to start fellowshipping with other believers more and more and more. Man. You know what if I could it's been a real eye-opening experience for me over the last three years. Like I can feel, I feel God's presence. Amen. You know, and I used to, one of the things that carried me through was uh, Romans 5. Uh, you know, that whole talk about tribulations, right? And in the end, you know, perseverance produces hope and hope never fails. You know, and I, that used to carry me for the longest time. Like I'm going through some tribulations. The man that I've become compared to the man that I started as. Amen. You know? Well, good. It's all been for a reason. Well, praise God, brother. All right, well, we will pray for you, and yeah. that's a great uh, great way to end this episode. And to God be the glory, and we are out. Amen. Thank you for watching or listening to this episode of The Bryce Eddy Show. Hey, we need your help. We have a special call to action. Please subscribe to our new Rumble channel, The Bryce Eddy Show. If you've been consuming this on our church website or church channel, go ahead and subscribe to us on Rumble. We need to build those numbers there for that new dedicated channel. For your convenience, we have a link in the description below.